Certainly the boards are asking the questions, how are we doing in this work? How are the students doing? How are we operationalizing this statewide vision? Uh, because it takes that partnership, certainly, to move that work forward. Uh, we have a statewide zone strategic plan, but how that gets administered at the local level is going to vary. This is In the Know with ACCT, the voice of community college leaders. I'm Jacob Bray. This episode of In the Know was recorded at our annual Congress this past year in San Francisco. Kim Hunter-Reed, Commissioner of Higher Education for the state of Louisiana, Joseph Garcia, Chancellor of the Colorado Community College System, and Sandy Caldwell, Executive Director of the Wyoming Community College Commission, discuss the intricacies and future of public higher education governance. This is part one of a two-part episode. Well, thank you. It's uh, my pleasure to be here with these two amazing colleagues. Uh, I know a couple of folks have referenced that you're going to hear three keynotes. That is not what's going to happen, I promise. Uh, that would be painful. Uh, what we are going to do, what we've been asked to do, is take just a few minutes to tell you a little bit about each of uh, our respective positions and the structure in our respective states. Of course, all of you know that each state governs their colleges very differently. We want to talk about the future of governance. We want to talk about you, what it is that makes you relevant, what it is that makes you helpful, and what it is that we see you doing uh, in the future that will help us be more effective. So I'll start saying is that I was introduced, I'm Joe Garcia, I'm the Chancellor of the Colorado Community College System. In Colorado, we have a system that includes 13 community colleges, about 40 locations, about 135,000 students, all under one state governing board, the Colorado Community College System Board. Now, of course, we have a state coordinating board as well, the Colorado Commission on Higher Education, its appointed members are appointed by the governor, as are the members of the community college board. Each of our systems, university systems within the state, also has an independent governing board, almost all of which are appointed by the governor, with the exception of University of Colorado, which has an elected board that's elected in, frankly, a partisan election, so it makes it very different. Between the coordinating board and the individual college governing boards, we have different roles and different amounts of authority. I'll talk more about that in a few minutes. Prior to being the head of the community college um, system, I was uh, the president of the Western Interstate Commission for Higher Education, WICHI, for two years. Before that, I did serve as the CHEO for Colorado over the Colorado Department of Higher Education at the time that I served the dual role as Lieutenant Governor for Colorado for six years. And before that, I ran uh, Colorado State University in Pueblo, and before that, Pikes Peak Community College. So I have a range of experiences, or you could say I just can't hold a job. Um, <laughs> but I'm looking forward to talking to you more about my experience with boards and what I see us being able to do going forward. So turning to my immediate left, Dr. Sandy Caldwell. Good afternoon, everyone. There you go. I'm going to do this a little differently than Joe because we don't stay on script, right? Of That's course. how we roll. Um, I want to tell you just a little bit about uh, my background in history and what leads me into this, and then I'll talk about um, kind of our structure. I am uh, the executive director for the Community College Commission, and in that role I do serve as the shield for the state of Wyoming, and that's the state uh, higher education executive officer. But I come to that from a, a, a bit of a journey, and I love the fact that our, our panel today 
followed recognition of students because that's who we're here for, right? It's who we all work for, our students. Um, I was a community college student and I was actually one of those that was in a very challenging place. Um, I was a homeless uh, youth. I was able to age out of the foster system and I had the opportunity uh, to go to a community college and I know some of those uh, folks are here today and that's Paris Junior College in Paris, Texas. I know, Paris, you're in here. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it was life-changing, and I have to tell you that, and I, and I think that's important, because I know both uh, Joe and Kim have their own stories around that, but I, I think it's really important to know that some of us that are in these roles do that because we know the impact that we can have on students, and I think that's really important for us to recognize the lives that we're able to impact. Um, I am also proud to say that the highlight of my career, you think was this, but it's not. It was actually, <laughs> it was actually becoming a faculty member at that same college in, in Paris, Texas, um, because I could have never as a student ever seen myself in that position. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't have even thought that way. And I carry that with me every day in the work that I do. I then moved to uh, Wyoming, uh, where I am back. I found my way back home. Uh, and that's where I really learned um, the, how important it is to be so connected to not, inter not only internally to the work, but the power that that has on, on the community base. And then in, um, and I was at Western Wyoming, and I know they're here as well. Western. There you go. <laughs> And then I had the joy of being a college president at um, in State Center Community College District in California for Reedley, Madera, and Oakhurst. I know they're over here. There you go. And the next community college in the state of California will be Madera Community College. Woohoo! Shout out for that one. And. Um, I just wanted to mention that um, in the state level role, we do have really, really different structures across the states, and that's what we see um, from, the, from the different uh, states that we all work with. Um, my particular role, it is a state agency for the state of Wyoming, uh, but we do have uh, appointed commissioners, and I have two of our commissioners here today, Dr. Jackie Fries and Kay Dooley who uh, are appointed to those uh, roles by the governor and then approved by the, uh, by the Senate. But the community colleges do have local control, and that's really an important uh, point to make, is that the seven community colleges each have seven uh, trustees who are locally elected. And they, they work very directly with their colleges. So our position and our uh, role is the, one of a coordinating body. And so we have a bilateral uh, system, uh, small s system, um, where the oversight for the colleges occurs through the local trustees administered by their college presidents. And then the, at the state level, then it is a coordinating body that works on um, coordination, advocacy, funding, uh, how that's administered, and accountability, including how we uh, report and respond to um, both the executive and legislative branches. So it kind of gives you an idea of how that uh, works. The trustees for our colleges are locally elected from the taxing uh, counties and those uh, districts, but they're nonpartisan. Uh, and the same way with appointed commissioners, they are, they are, are actually required on a party split. 
and to ensure that it uh, is really looking out for all of Wyoming. Thank you. Dr. Hunter Reed. Yes, thank you so much. First of all, I want to give a, another shout out to Jeremy Gray, which is one of our students who was recognized yeah. for the Century Scholars. Fantastic. And, and to all of the students who are recognized today, this is why we do what we do, because we know that the work that we do makes a difference. We make opportunities happen for more students uh, across this country and certainly in Louisiana. I'm Commissioner of Higher Education. Uh, I like to say I'm the Chief Talent Development Officer for our state, the advocate for talent development. Uh, we have uh, a fantastic system. We have a statewide system and run by Monty Sullivan, who's here with his board chair and some of the board members. Yes. Um, our community college system is 20 years young, but it's been blowing and going and serving over 100,000 students. They do adult basic ed, non-credit and credit programs as well. Uh, we have four systems in the state of Louisiana. We serve about 250,000 students in our public and private institutions. Um, I've been home, talking about the importance of getting back home, I've been home about 16 months uh, in a state that I love, doing work that I love. Before that, I was in Colorado following this great guy, leading higher education for the state of Colorado, and before that, uh, in D.C., uh, in the Obama administration at the U.S. Department of Ed, where every now and then I got a chance to peek in on Walter Bumpus and the great things that he was doing as well. Uh, so our systems are very different. Our board members are appointed by the governor, Senate confirmed, staggered terms. Uh, but I do want to say to all of you who are serving how great it is that we have individuals who care about this work, who are committed to ensuring that we are advancing student success. We can't do it without you. And we know that you will continue to serve well. And I look forward to this conversation about the power of board members, of trustees, to really make a difference in advancing good work, good policy on behalf of our states and our students. Thanks, Kim. Um, thanks, Sandy. We've talked a little bit about how our different boards work and really uh, whether they're elected locally or appointed by the governor. So we find out sort of how they come to uh, sit on a board. Right. But we ought to talk a little bit about how these boards interact. For example, where we have a statewide board and then we have often appointed by the governor, but then local boards that are elected by local voters. How do you see in your respective states how they interact? Do they interact? Do they even know about the other or do they just do completely different things and really don't have any communication? We'll start with you, Sandy. Okay, um, sure. So within our state, uh, we are very fortunate to also have a, an organization, the Wyoming Association for Community Co College Trustees that our trustees belong to and their executive director and is a member of ACCT um, who actually helps coordinate that and I'm very uh, grateful for that on that association side. So we do have our regular uh, commission meetings, regular interaction with the colleges through a well-established con uh, consultative process where we have the executive council for the presidents that I uh, participate in. We do that for the academic uh, vice presidents, the student services vice presidents, and we do that through um, the administrative vice, uh, vice presidents, as well as a, a, a whole uh, set of committees and councils. And then that communication, of course, happening through the presidents with their trustees, because that's where, really where that strong relationship occurs. But the, uh, the association does a, a training, actually, every year for trustee education, and includes 
our commissioners in that and actually has, um, has us present to that as part of that uh, trustee education. I think it's very, very valuable, and I know that trustee education is a topic that we'll be uh, talking about. And then uh, making sure that we have a, a good understanding of what those different roles are, uh, particularly at, at the state level where the college trustees are the ones who provide the oversight for the colleges versus on the state level with the uh, public policy and the assurances to the executive and legislative branch. So there is uh, good relationships there and recognition and support for the work that they all do. And I think that's really important to, to recognize. And Kim, when you were the head of the Department of Higher Education in Colorado, you were trying to establish a statewide master plan and set statewide goals that then you then wanted the local boards, you needed the local boards, uh, to adopt the same policies, the same goals anyway, if you were going to be successful. And maybe you can talk again about that. How does the state board setting broad statewide goals, statewide attainment goals, equity goals, how does that filter down to the local boards? So one of the things that I think we have to recognize is the SHEO agencies certainly have a responsibility to set great policy and a vision, but we don't graduate one student. Our institutions do that. Uh, and so in Colorado, when we launched our new master plan, we invited the campus leadership and the board chairs to a pre-meeting, sort of a couple of hours of conversation with the governor around how do we get this work done? What will be the barriers to success? What will it take? And then a reception with all of the board leadership recognizing the power of those boards. So, you know, certainly any state, and I think over 40 states have an attainment goal that they have set, uh, so most of your states have that. Um, but all of the states, I think, have to recognize that if you want your, your vision to become a reality, you have to bring it down to those campus level. You have to engage board leaders. And hopefully the boards are asking the questions, how are we doing in this work? How are the students doing? How are we operationalizing this statewide vision? Uh, because it takes that partnership, certainly, to move that work forward. So does the state board, in your view, have enough direct authority to require those local boards to do that, or is it all about the power of persuasion? I think it's the power of persuasion and coordination. I think people certainly support what they help to create. Uh, so in both places, we did engage very deeply the leadership to say, here's what we're thinking about. What, do you, you know, what are your thoughts about that? Certainly in both states, I visited every campus, walked every campus, talked to leadership, talked to students, uh, because you don't want to create the, do the secret sauce in a, in a vacuum or in a, in a dark room, right? You want people to see themselves in the master plan, see themselves in the work, and be energized about helping to make it happen. I can give a shout out to my own community college system. They were heavily engaged in Louisiana in reading the plan, reading the draft, making sure that we were talking about credentials and competencies and adults and trying to move that work forward. But then also once we had our plan launched, they invited me to meet with the campus leadership, to meet with their board during their board retreat, to meet with their mega conference with all of their community college systems. Uh, leadership and their uh, faculty and staff as well because that's what it takes you have to take that vision down to reality and engage people so that implementation can happen and implementation only happens when there's strong commitment and buy-in and that's the coordinated work that has to occur well Kim uh, and I want to ask you to address this as well Sandy when uh, I was in the role that you assumed the, the head of the Department of Higher Ed in Colorado when we tried to uh, first bring uh, local boards in to meet with the state coordinating board, frankly, the college presidents were very resistant. They didn't want 
their boards to be influenced or corrupted by uh, <laughs> the state board, and it was hard to bring them together. And I just wonder if you've had similar experiences where college presidents were very protective of their own board, didn't want them to be listening to outside voices, and maybe trying to uh, change the goals for the college as a result of the, the goals that the state has set. Well, I would say that it, it's appropriate for the uh, college presidents to be protective of, the, of their boards. Uh, and I, I want to provide a little context in that, meaning that that's uh, where the local connection occurs. Um, the trustees and, and the presidents are responsible for administering that college and, or that college district. And, and it's really uh, very critical that they're able to do that because they are held responsible by their local residents. I mean, that's, I think, a very important thing to do. Um, but I think it's also thinking about what is it we're trying to do uh, across the state and recognizing how critical it is at the local level, as Ken uh, talked about. We, have a, a, we also have an educational attainment goal for the state of Wyoming. It's defined in, in codified in statute. Uh, we have a statewide uh, college system strategic plan, but how that gets administered at the local level is going to vary, and, and it should. doesn't mean that we can't create a, a structure and a process to make sure that um, we show how those linkages occur and that it's aligned. But uh, we always have to remember that it's the colleges that create the graduates and, and recognize that. So sometimes when there's going to be pushback, it's okay because it's also a good reminder of the different roles that we play. So it's okay. So for us, you know, Louisiana is a state of relationships and red beans and our board members know each other well. And our management board, uh, systems have representation on our board. So when we meet to talk about academic affairs or finance, all of the management boards have a representative at the table. So our structure is built in a way that there's an expectation of coordination and communication, uh, and so we want to continue to encourage that. Um, we do see uh, a need to go back to a trusteeship conference. We had that in the past where we had member education for all of the board members. Now that we have a new master plan, we'll probably be bringing that forward uh, as well. So, you know, the board members know each other well. Um, and as I said, our structure does allow them to come together and there's an expectation that they're at the table with us doing this work. So we've talked about how they get appointed and how they work, but you know, who these folks are. I mean, what makes these folks, what gives them the expertise they need to properly advise a college? I know that in Colorado, we have only one requirement. They, we pick them, the governor selects based on congressional district. Every congressional district needs a representative on the Commission for Higher Education or in the Community College System Board, but there really aren't any other requirements. Should there be? So I think the requirement is uh, a commitment to the vision and the work. Um, you know, there are certainly states that have requirements for participation, requirements for continuing education. I don't know that that is required, but I would say to all of you who serve on boards that the responsibility and the power of the boards is asking the right questions, building momentum, setting expectations, holding us accountable to make sure that we are thinking about the things that matter. It is so easy to get drawn into 
majoring in the minor, if you will, this shiny object or that one. But someone has to own the passion of the work to say, how are our students doing? Are we erasing equity gaps? Are we workforce aligned? Are we of and for the community? And that's the power of the boards, I think, and the leadership of the boards to really make sure they're driving the kind of change that will allow more of the students, like we saw today, cross this stage, cross their commencement stage. So I'm going to say no. I, I mean, I think there is an important to, that we are reflecting the, uh, the state and that we hit all regions of the state. Um, but within the locally elected boards and with the uh, appointed commissioners, I think there's a really a strong importance for us to remember that these, these individuals, all of you, are members of your community. And if we begin to put in uh, restrictions that um, make us miss what life experiences and community understanding our board members have, we will not really fully understand our own communities and the work that we need to do. Um, when you talk about minimum uh, level of education and expectations, and this is Sandy's personal opinion, is that uh, people's lives and journeys go through many, uh, many different directions and, and we can certainly uh, recognize that when we have an equity gap in this country uh, around completion, that when we, we put in those types of restrictions, we are missing sometimes the very individuals and people who have a very strong voice in why we need to do some of the work that we do. So I think that's really actually important that we're very careful about doing that because they're all parts of our communities. Uh, yes, absolutely. What's your uh, thought on that, Joe? And you I want to answer. I, I want to agree with both of you. I think it is uh, the most important thing is not who they are or what skills they bring with them, but what they do as board members. I had the uh, opportunity to listen to a panel earlier today: uh, George Boggs, uh, Dr. Byron McClenney, uh, Martha Cantor amazing national experts, and one of the things they emphasized was that board members uh, and college presidents, and in fact everybody who works at a college, needs to be holding ourselves accountable. Board members need to hold us accountable. Years ago I spoke at an ACCT conference when I wasn't a president, uh, and I was a SHEO, and I said the most important thing that a board can do is ask tough questions of your president, not how many students you're enrolling, but how many you're graduating. How are they doing? Where are the gaps? Are there significant equity gaps? Uh, how do we know that a college is being successful other than that your president is telling you it is? Now, I asked boards at that time to hold their presidents accountable at a time, frankly, when I was not a president. Um, it, was a, it was a lot easier to do it then than it is now. Um, but my board, interestingly, is chaired by Dr. Byron McClenney, who probably everybody in this room has heard from at some point or another. He's, kind of the national expert on this issue. Right. It is about outcomes. Uh, George Boggs spoke about the evolution over the last couple of decades in higher education, how we've moved from really just about being, being about access and enrolling students to really be, and, and being about teaching to being about learning and to being about outcomes. And you know, we, during that session he asked, uh, or Byron asked many questions about how many of you know? Yeah. How many of your students are getting through that first semester and accumulating any credits? How many of you know how many students who actually show up on your campus end up enrolling there and then end up graduating there? And again, how does that vary by demographic groups? 
I think those are the critical questions you all need to be asking uh, because, frankly, those are questions we didn't always ask, and that really is problematic if we're trying to set state goals. In Colorado, I'll just say, we're one of the most well-educated states in the country if you look at the percentage of our working age population with a post-secondary credential, right. well over half. But as you know, Kim, we also have one of the biggest equity gaps. That is, our white folks are doing great. Our black and brown folks, not so much. And many of those white folks, frankly, moved to Colorado with their degree already in hand. So we have huge gaps between our white and non-white population, between our urban and rural population. I suspect all of you and your respective states have that same situation. And the question we all need to be asking ourselves every day is, what are we going to do to address that? So thinking about that then and thinking about the future of governance, how would you see governance changing, whether it's who we put on the boards, how we put them there, or what they do? How do you think that needs to change if we want to be successful at achieving really these new goals of completion and equity rather than simply enrollment? This has been part one of a two-part episode. Be sure to subscribe so you're notified when we release part two. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.